The following episode of the Nick podcast contains explicit language and spoilers. We highly recommend you watch the corresponding episode before listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to this installment of the Nick Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the cast and crew for an in-depth discussions of each episode. I'm Michael Begler. And I'm Jack Amy. And we are the writers and co-creators of the series. Today we'll be talking about episode 7, entitled Williams and Walker. And also joining us today are our semi-regular co-hosts, Michael Angarano, a.k.a. Columbia University's Birdie Chickering Jr., and Chris Sullivan, a.k.a. County Cork's Tom Cleary. Nice to have you guys once again. Thank you for having me. Yar. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a special guest a little later in the podcast, Mike Marini, the dolly grip on the show. Don't know what a dolly grip is? Well, after listening, you'll learn why Steven Soderbergh considers it one of the most essential positions on the crew. But before we talk to Mike, let's do a little recapping of the episode. This was a big one. So much happens, from the twin surgery, to the sabotage car surgery, to the ball, to Clear and Harry going into business. Golden Lotus. Let's to, talk about the Golden Lotus. I, I want to talk about, about the Golden say, Lotus. To the Golden Lotus. <laughs> I think I, I would like to start with just actually talking about the, the twins, because that was a big, a big thing, a big surgery, uh, something that we, we, we built up to in the storyline. And I know that it was something that we discovered in our research, um, and I think I just like saying this word, but in 1903 was the first actual filmed surgery uh, in Germany. It was it was a little film called Unterschenkel Amputation, mm. and it was it was. You can probably get it on Netflix. You you yeah. can you can. It was um, the re- it's a, removal of cankles. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's 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 a ten part series. No, I think it, it was like a thirty second or a minute long film, and the, it was just this guy, this this surgeon who who can quickly remove an ankle or a leg. Um, Baby, back then everything went viral. <laughs> um, but we we thought that that would. <laughs> That would have been a really interesting way because we've shown surgery in so many ways. You know, Stephen has shot it in so many ways. Like we thought, like what's a that's a different way to show the surgery. So that was sort of the inspiration for that. It's difficult to see in this motion film, but I devised a new type of suture based on my research and work with sailing knots. This new suture, which I named the Gallinger knot, did an excellent job of joining tissue. So, but other things uh, that went on. I mean, one of the one of the major things that went on in this for Cleary and Harriet was that they decided to go into business together into the condom business. The thing I remember about this scene, I think more than anything, was that amazing looking cobbler that was mm. on the set. Uh, Sully, did you get to partake oh. in any of that? Man, no, I just got to d- carry it from the sink to the table over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> we never we never got to the point where I stick a fork in it. So sorry. Um, and now I know that I made up the term Johnny Sheaths, but Michael, you did you come up with humping a beehive? Yes. You did. Now, did you make that up or did you find that somewhere? I remember it from a joke I heard when I was about six years old. <laughs> People have been making good Johnny Sheaths out of animal intestines for years. Just got to find somebody who can make it right. Oh, pardon me. I didn't know you was having tea. We're not. I'm teaching them how to protect themselves from men. Yeah, well, three swift boot heels to the scrotum. He'd rather be humping a beehive and never come near you again. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, the other thing that happens in this episode, and we're sort of jumping around here, is that Bertie and Genevieve dance. Yes. They dance in two different ways. Yes. Metaphorically. Yes. So let's start with the standing up dancing. Uh, sure. Um, now, I made you a promise. Yes. The first day I met you, which was I asked you because I knew that your mom 
uh, and dad owned a dance studio. Yes. And do they still? They they still do. Yes. Where is they, that dance studio? In uh, one in. Um, Staten Island and one in Woodland Hills, California. Oh my God! How Saturday Night Fever of you! <laughs> Very much so. Very, how Swayze of me. <laughs> mm. So I promised you that I would get you to dance at some point. I love finding out what skills different actors and actresses have. Right, like Zuzana, you have her uh, speaking Polish. Yes, mm-hmm. I love it when she. I, I I wanted her to speak Polish because she can do that, and and I love finding whatever skills somebody has that they can that they can do. And I promised you you would dance. And your mother came to set and she made did. me promise that I would let you dance. Yes. She walked up to me. She said, he is so handsome. <laughs> and I said, and he can, and she said, and he can dance. And I said, I'm going to try to get him to dance. So this is actually a fulfillment of a promise to your mother. Right. I, I, I recall, I recall that I, you know, there are a lot of things that you look forward to as an actor. And that, that's, that was definitely one of them because I, I haven't really been able to do it ever before. And we had a great choreographer who everybody went to. Who There was a, a lot of competition. It was highly competitive between the actors. Really? Highly competitive. Where there was, you know... Is um, that Jen Rapp and uh, John Carafa? Y- yes, exactly. They, and those guys were amazing. I mean, they had to do a lot of different choreography this totally. season. Um, and, you know, there was a lot going on. But they wanted, specifically because it, it's noted in the script, there, there's one sentence that said, Birdie is particularly good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As a dancer. So they had to uh, they had to give Ariel and I a couple of more uh, moves than they did everybody yeah. else. You, follow, assumed... you followed that direction perfectly. Well, and and it you. wasn't even that promise I made to your dear, sweet mother. Mm-hmm. It was actually that I assumed that, he, that, that, the, that the Chickerings had wanted their child to learn all the great graces and the important mm-hmm. things of their new station in life. You right. know? And so I, I, I thought that would be a thing. The other thing that I don't think your parents gave you lessons in mm. was the making of love. Yeah, well, um, but like have, father, like son, you but, know what they say. Oh! But Bertie Chickering Sr. did. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> son, I'm going right. to show you something now. This is how you start. <laughs> Chickening. <laughs> and when I she watched... makes love to you, she doesn't say, oh, God. She uses your full name, Bertram I watched. Th- I watched that scene today only... Like six or seven times, and <laughs> to see if I, you could see, I to to see Did you go frame by frame. To, now I realize why they made the top hat so big. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I genuinely have to say that is one of the sweetest, uh, most realistic uh, lovemaking scenes I've ever seen. Tell me more about it, Michael. <laughs> I mean, I I, uh, I think. Originally, he entered in a towel. Well, yeah, the idea was that he enters sort of not sure if he should be naked or if he should be dressed. And... Yeah, and there was no top hat involved. That that was genuinely a joke on the day because Ariel Goldman is um, is is lovely and she was very sweet and she was extremely nervous about filming that sex scene. Mm-hmm. And so as a, as a joke, in a way to alleviate the tension, I walked around in um, my cock sock, which is what they call them. Um, uh, is it? My is, top that, hat is, at, is that what I, they call them? That's what they call them. That's, that's the industry <laughs> term for, um, you know, It's not a modesty match or a... You didn't just walk around in your cock sock. The first thing you did was you 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 texted there was a, a whole text. bunch of us on a group text of you buck naked in your cock sock. Well, I mean, taking a picture in front of your mirror, basically preparing for your scene. 
I have the photo. I have the photo. I have the photo too. I'm looking yeah. okay. for it as well. You but can. People, you can. I, 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 just a, just a note. People on a podcast can't see it. No, oh, but you will. can find me at Sully Acts Up on Instagram. <laughs> I will make it's sure right now that it's on the internet soon. But what I I want to if you can quickly tell the yeah. story of the picture that was replaced. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so. There is a there's a scene where uh, Genevieve and uh, Bertie's mother are talking together, and it's a very sweet scene. In I think episode it's in five. five. It's in right. episode five. A lucky Kachina doll, <sighs> given to me by the Hopi. It's a photograph of my parents and a photograph of Bertie. Soderbergh really wanted to. Uh... <laughs> Replace the picture that was there, which was a uh, just like a had like a shot of you, like from like a portrait, right, right, like an old timey looking black and white right. portrait of like what you would get at, at medical school, and in in a lot of um, <laughs> he wanted to replace it with a uh, with a still of me with the top hat and the row and the and the towel, but he he did, and, and he showed it to some of us, like yeah. he sent it to some of us, yeah, it's he like, sent it to HBO, I think. It's, <laughs> it's like so you see this shot of Genevieve handing over the photograph. And Bertie's mother looking at it, and it's a shot of you and your top hat and the towel, and and it's just yep. then it's the then it's the cut back to the mother looking at it like almost troubled, <laughs> like her, her expression totally changes from from feeling sentimental to like so concerned, right? But that was one of those things. I remember, um, you know, when we do sort of nude scenes or sex scenes, what, we try to sort of thin out the room a lot. Uh-huh. Like we'll stick around long enough to hear that the dialogue works, and then that's that. And I remember Rangarano, like, thinking it was a joke. Like, he was going to walk out with his top hat. And it was just such a perfect little choice that mm. not only we kept that, but then you did the little replacement the, uh, My idea was the top hat. I walked in. I walked downstairs. Like, the set was empty. And I walked in with my little top hat. And it was it was a Soderbergh thing. He just looked at me and said. It wasn't that little. He, <laughs> he was just like, uh, are you going to wear the hat? <laughs> Which meant wear the hat, um, and so I wore the hat. And then when I was walking over, it was his idea to do the little towel hat flip. I, just moving on, I think one of the other things that we kind of cover in this episode is in the ball is we have the act of Williams and Walker. Yes, um, and uh, I'm sure people reacted to that, um, but that is based again in fact. And Jack, you can kind of. Um, talk more in detail about about them and who they really are. Yeah, Williams and Walker are fascinating to me. They were, at one point, the most famous act in the world. And Williams and Walker were guys who, who spoke like with sort of that plantation drawl. S- sort of drawl, and neither of them spoke that way or even knew anyone who spoke that way. It was really, it's interesting because it does show sort of a cultural rift within the African-American community. It's a way for African-Americans who are in the cities or in the North to sort of poke fun at their country, you know, at their country brothers. Honestly, it's like white people looking at hee-haw in that era. They did have a show called Indahomey, and they called themselves the two real coons. And the argument that they had was there were a lot of white guys going around in blackface. And their argument was, we're really black. And that they wanted, that they said, look, if you're going to hire anyone to do this, you got to hire black guys to play guys in blackface. And as strange as it sounds in 2015, it was absolutely their their argument and a point of pride for these guys. Um, And these guys ended up uh, playing for years and years. Um, having big Broadway shows, having hit records, having all the things that 
became the hallmarks of African Americans, uh, you know, whether it's Bill Bojangles Robinson later on or Louis Armstrong or as you continue on through, whether it's Ella Fitzgerald or Lena Horne, uh, even Stevie Wonder. We're talking about people who who broke through into white culture and suddenly changed a little bit of how white people saw African Americans. Well, it, it was, in a, I, I think, a very memorable moment in the ball. But I think the thing, the most memorable thing about that ball was the over two minute tracking shot. And one of the key players in making that happen was our guest, Dolly Grip, Mike Marini. So Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks guys. Happy to be here. Um, Why don't you start out by defining exactly what a Dolly Grip is? Because I think most people who are listening don't may not know. Well, uh, the dolly grip is in charge of all camera movement on set, and the dolly grips are designated to be helpers to the camera department. And so basically on the NIC, I push around Stephen on various devices that we designate depending on what the crazy shot that he has in mind is. Honestly, there's a whole other podcast that could be done about the devices that you guys push around Stephen yeah, and build in the moment. If I may jump in <laughs> from 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 my perspective watching you, if Stephen if Stephen while he's operating the camera is doing a dance, you are his partner. Yeah. You are his dance partner and there's and there, but like seriously watching it watching it on set you two you two have to be very in tune with what the other's trying to do and and the speed at which you're trying to move and the and the angles and the and the uh, the traffic of of background actors and and principal actors and all of these things it's it's actually it's quite uh, elegant to watch because there you know on on the Nick there are a lot of there are a lot of you know shots with movement actually but where you know I think and Mike tell me if I'm wrong but you guys very rarely bust out the dolly track this is true yeah, the, and and dolly track is basically when you see them literally putting down like a train track and then rolling a cart back and forth which is a very very smooth very fluid thing we're usually on ground right so what do you, what do you, what are these what are these devices that you're running around with the you know the the rickshaw and all those other things well pretty much every other job i'll have to set up dolly track takes a little bit of time. I have to level the track. We have to get the camera on. We have to work out the positions with the camera operator. And on this job, everything kind of always happens so quickly that we kind of need to come up with however we're going to do the shot, you know, immediately. So we have, yeah, we have a rickshaw. And then, you know, sometimes I'll be pulling him on the rickshaw and then he'll just hop off and walk around. And sometimes he won't tell me that he's going to hop off and so I need to kind of stabilize it and there he goes and finishes the scene. So, you know, and then interior we are on the dolly a lot. He's handheld on the dolly and then we have uh I think in some interview he called it what did he call it? The uh dolly du derriere. Yes. AKA the butt dolly. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a creation that we made for him, which he can hop off of, which is a very tiny little aluminum plate that we had made with wheels that he just sits on. I can push him through tiny doorways and around desks. You know, a lot of the shots that we do, you know, he'll start looking in one direction and then all of a sudden he'll slowly creep around both the actors and we're looking in a completely other direction. And, you know, that device pretty much makes all those shots happen because... You know, it has to be in every single set. For for those who don't know, Stephen directs, but he also operates his own camera. He edits everything mm-hmm. himself. 
Is he the first director or the only director you've ever worked with in that capacity? He is the only director that I have ever heard of that does that. Oh, and one of the other things which I wanted to bring up, too, is the fact that on this job we have no stand-ins. So basically (laughs) the actors will come to set fully dressed, ready ready to act. They'll kind of wait around. Stephen will walk around the room kind of decide how he wants the actors to do the scene and then he'll kind of break it up in his head he'll you know I'll kind of stand next to him and watch him basically editing all the shots or and and one of the reasons why you know I love my job on the nick is because oftentimes he'll do what we call uh we call a wonner so he'll try to get the whole scene in one shot in one take right which brings us to this amazing ballroom shot exactly oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. can you kind of walk us through that? So um, one of the other things that uh, Stephen does, which is uh, incredible, is, you know, sometimes he'll take multiple scenes and turn them into one shot. And basically he had the idea that he wanted this absolutely monstrous uh, shot, uh, you know, or sorry, the scene to be one shot. And it, it took a very long time to get. It, we went through three gigantic rooms with hundreds of extras ballroom dancing and it was it was beautiful it was probably the most incredible thing i had ever done it certainly took a lot of choreographing um yeah i've never seen uh i've never seen greg uh jacobs our 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 ad and steven hug after yeah, after our yeah. take. they would they did yeah. there really was a sense of just massive accomplishment I mean, once you know what they're doing and how unbelievably interestingly they're doing it with changing the height at one point. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I think we either started or ended the shot um, and also a couple times in between top height on a dolly, which, yeah, is roughly he's about seven feet in the air. And then, you know, we boom down. We go with the actors. Oh, you look like you were born to wear dresses like that. I was. But I'm really here for the entertainment. They have Williams and Walker performing tonight. I took over to see them, and we haven't stopped talking about them since. We already have tickets for their new show on Broadway. Um, they're moving around. We go through the ballroom dancing. I boom him up, so we see the whole room, everyone dancing, which is incredible. Uh, and then we boom back down, and we follow, you know, the gentleman. I'm fighting Wingo tooth and nail, but he simply will not yield to reason. Changes at every turn, slowing the workers to a crawl. It's been frightfully... And then I think, if I remember correctly, we're on their backs, and then we go back into the great foyer. Mm-hmm. Barrow leads you back to Cornelia. Bobby Eunice, I hope you're enjoying our festivities. It's a lovely evening. Cornelia, you have outdone this. You have, my dear. Your talents are endless. All of those many meetings you attended certainly have paid off. Thank you. Out of that shot, in the middle of that conversation, you just start backing away from it. Mm-hmm. And and that's when you get Eve's entrance into the ball, right. even Charlie's. Yeah. You know, you could really tell because that this was a you know a very difficult shot i think very rarely do we do more than 5 takes let alone 15 takes i think this got into the 20s and very rarely yeah. will we ever 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 have to have to do another take for crew and i remember this particular shot there were 
you know, n- not only crew, but <laughs> as an actor, when when you're involved in a huge tracking, you shot don't want to like be this, the one to screw up, and everybody does. Yeah, everybody gets a little nervous, especially if you're towards the end of the shot, because you yeah. don't want to be the one to fuck it up. Yeah, I felt bad for Granger because I think he had the yeah, last line of the totally. scene. Totally, but I, I remember at one point I got to my, I got to you know say my first line and completely blanked on the line, and it was like, <laughs> thank God it's at the beginning because hundreds of extras have to go back to their but I start. Actually, I actually think. The actors, you barely missed your any of your cues. I think I think most of you guys got it. I think it was just sort of it was so complex. Yeah, it was just so complex, and you guys and the choreography of what Stephen and Mike were doing was was really what was, you know, why why we had to do it over and over. Um, Mike, you know, I, I have a, there's a, so much stuff bubbling up in my head. One of the things is that dolly that you use. Can you tell everyone what the origin of that piece of equipment actually is? Are you referring to the butt dolly? No, I'm referring to, to the dolly dolly. The dolly dolly. With oh, those- the dolly dolly. The arm, oh, Jesus. Do you know? Origin of the dolly. I'm going to actually pass and say I don't know the origin of the dolly. It's, it was originally used... Um, oh, oh, he knows. Oh, that was, oh, that was a, that was a setup. That was I passed and I failed. <laughs> I thought you knew. The I was setting you up for oh. to be to look yeah, to be the hero. To but now you're the goat. Union's gonna yeah. call me and they're gonna yeah. say, "All right, we're taking." You know, the we can give you the answer yeah. and then Jack yeah, can. Give, yeah, we can right, just we, edit this out. Right, Jack can give you the answer and then you can answer. I'm just gonna go like this for the rest of this part until we edit. Look. The, the answer was, and maybe this is apocryphal, but it was originally used in World War II for moving bombs. Missiles. Missiles and Using bombs. missiles for the, from, the, from the front line to the... I see, I would... No, no I didn't know. I don't know. Missile, <laughs> it was moving missiles and submarines. Yeah, right. so that, you know, because they were incredibly stable and you could lift them and lower them using that hydraulic little oh, arm right into the, into the tube. Mike, the thing that... This, the shots that always impress me are when we do surgery shots and you guys are, circle, are circling. It's a pretty tight space i mean how often do you bang into stuff how often do you realize that you're that you're you're lost or or, or are you so in concert with steven that you get it mm-hmm. um you made uh, a wrong turn down the hallway you guys right. are actually not even shooting the yeah. scene anymore <laughs> yeah uh i mean those i i absolutely love those scenes they're they're so challenging i mean it, it, yeah, it's basically going around in a circle, trying to catch all the important lines, and then also, you know, he's tilting down to try to get the important parts of the surgery. Like those are the those are arguably the hardest shots that we, you know, have to do because you know he also wants to try to get those in, you know, in one take. Yeah, basically we're just going around making sure we get you know Birdie's line, and then we got to speed around because someone runs in, and we have to get their line on the move, and then we have to be over on the complete other side of the surgical theater for Clive's last line, you know? So it's, those are great, but do I bump into stuff? All the time, yeah. So do we. Yeah. How often have you done the thing where you're in the middle of the shot, and suddenly you just see, you know, suddenly he just thunks over something, and you're like, oh, boy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I mean, we yeah, we we have our fair share of of, of moments where we definitely are going to need to go again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about certain things yet, but there's some other scenes I think later in the show which were insane. I mean, he's he's having me basically run at full speed, pulling him or pushing him on this thing, which you know he's not really strapped in on. And there's there was a couple times he he's 
really, really quick reflexes, by the way, um, that he'll kind of just hop off and stop himself. And uh, thankfully, we'll, we get to go again. Some but people call him the cat. He, I mean, he loves cats. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he really has does. taken on yeah. some... He yeah. did get hurt in one in on one day exterior. Nick, he got hurt. I, I think it was episode eight, actually. No, yeah, that was like a yeah. I mean, he hopped he hopped off and he kind of like you know he hopped off onto gravel and I think he just kind of like twisted he twisted his knee. I mean, he was it was insane. Everyone was like, oh my god, <laughs> it was a true oh my shooting. god moment. <laughs> What's gonna happen? I mean, you know, because LeBron just got it's, hurt. It's and and that's actually I can't believe I didn't mention it before. Like, you know, this job is him, but it's also extremely physically taxing on oh, him. Yeah. I mean, he's either holding the camera on his shoulder and I'm pushing him around, or he's running with it, or he's hanging off of something um, for dear or life. Belly he had flat. this electric you car. You have belly flat outside the oh, nick yeah. in the ambulance bay. Literally, he's on mm-hmm. his stomach on a dolly, right? Yes. Yeah. He, I had him on his stomach on a rickshaw. That was fun. Uh, with his his legs and feet in the air. Um, and he's basically holding the camera uh, an inch and a half from the ground. And I'm pulling him at top speed. You know, he's he's it's an extremely physically taxing job for him. I, I mean, I he boggles my mind every morning that he comes to work and he's totally fine. It was miraculous that he only kind of hurt himself one day, which was no fault to anyone. He just kind of like hopped off a rickshaw and kind of like slipped in the gravel a little bit. And he kind of twisted his knee. He sat down for probably 10 minutes, got up. You know, everybody was freaking well, out. He's also wearing. And he's these, like, I think I'm he's wearing these red wing boots where like the the. The, the heel is coming off. I mean, mm-hmm. he, you know. He, yes. So, yeah, he wore the same boots every single well, day. Well, they're shoot they boots. I mean, let's, yeah. you know. They're his lucky they're the boots. boots. Yeah. I mean, if anyone from Red Wing is listening, <laughs> yes. Steven Soderbergh needs a new pair of boots. I would, I would love. I, I mean, you know, he might not wear them, but he would look at them and really appreciate them. Red and he Wing. also only eats so. pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> and one small baby Ruth a day. Loves, but the thing he survives on pretzels, and, baby Ruth, and, and Dr. Pepper. Oh, and Dr. Yeah. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Dr. Come Pepper. on, Dr. Yeah. Pepper, guys! Unbelievable. Does he share with you? Does he ever say to you, like, "I'm looking for this," like, based on an influence of of, of another film, or um, does he ever talk to you in, in those terms? No. And I think I'm, I might have I might have referenced like uh, now I can't even come up with an example. And this is this is your so and so shot. But I I can't I can't say that to a director that I learned about in film school. You know, it's like right. wait, who, who, who am I to say? Yeah. Oh hey, yeah, wait. Hey Steve, seen it. <laughs> yeah. Stop repeating yourself, buddy. Great. I love this. The last so time I saw it, not a sight. <laughs> Um, what's your background? I mean, you mentioned film school. For all the kids out there who want to become the next Mike Marini. <laughs> um, That's his response. That's <laughs> that laugh goes on for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Not even Mike Marini wants to be Mike Marini. Good. Jesus. Ah, you I just hear breaking glass and a, and a chicken. You yeah. could, maybe later. Um, um, no, but I guess, you know, we have all these strange jobs. We've had all these people on. We've had props on. And everybody comes to this in a different way. And I'm just curious for you what, you know, we're all trained in different ways. But the best training, honestly, is is just doing it and doing it and doing it. Where did you start and how did you get to where you are? Totally. 
I majored in film and electronic arts, unquote, at Bard College in upstate New York, where I did a lot of uh, video art with found footage and weird feedback and shit. And uh, thankfully, Todd Salons happened to be shooting an extremely low-budget movie called Palindromes. I begged my way into an internship there, and I started out as an art department intern, actually, and I made some fake newspapers because I worked for a college newspaper. And then uh, when shooting started, they wanted me in the electric department, and then I was quickly, for some reason or another, traded to the grip department, and I was the grip intern. And that was kind of where I started. And then basically everyone told me to move to New York City, and you'll find work, and I did. And I stayed with friends and worked for very little money for a really long time. And then I was lucky enough to get in uh, the union. And one of the first jobs that I worked on in the union, I learned how to be a dolly grip. And I've been a dolly grip pretty much ever since. What was that job? 10 years. Uh, that was Law and Order, the mothership. <laughs> Heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who here has worked on Law and Order? I've worked on Anyone? SVU. Ooh, I worked on that too for a little bit. I was one of the guys moving boxes. Mm. Everyone has worked on Law I and Order. I knew I had seen you somewhere before, Sully. <laughs> in, the, in the New York acting scene, you, you, you can't be a real New York actor until you've been on Law and Order. Or maybe it was is, just is. that I had heard oh, you yeah. before. <laughs> huh? 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 I don't know. Which I, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Where do you think you? Where do you think you heard me before? Mike. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for all of for all of you who don't know, yes, yes, I have affirmed your beliefs for the last couple of weeks as you've been listening to the Nick podcast and go. You know what? He's not talking in the accent, but I swear I've heard him before. I swear I've heard that. Uh, oh, you don't. You still don't know. What, yeah. I don't know what it is. Guess what day it is? <laughs> huh? Guess what day it is? It's time for the Nick podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's the camel. Yeah, the Geico camel. He's the Geico camel. Amazing, Mike, Mike, Mike. I don't have cable. <laughs> the one thing that we have not talked about, and I'm sorry, I'm going back to it. What is it, Michael Angarano? The Golden Lotus. Yeah, we can't. I don't think the audience wants us to to move on without talking about the Golden Lotus. Am I right? <laughs> I don't even think I know what you're talking about. Are you serious? <laughs> what am I missing? You, you don't happen to remember that moment where this Perry, my book now. where where Perry, who plays um, who plays Ping Wu, is making love to a prostitute, and then a foot gets shoved into his mouth, and we look up, and it's it's Eve's foot. And Lucy, okay, yeah. Lucy has yes. just earned a little dough with her toe. Okay, great, Sully. Do you know? Thank do you know the thank, origins? Thank you for explaining. None of us would have known what the golden <laughs> lotus was because of that. Do you know the origin of the golden lotus, Sully? No, please tell me, Jack. It was used during World War II to move bombs around uh, a submarine. I don't know if you're aware of that. No, uh, the, the, I, the, the actually it was Stephen Katz found it. Um, Stephen Katz, who wrote a couple of our episodes and is our co-exec producer and really just a font of everything from that era and really great ideas all over the place. But one of the things Katz knows a tremendous amount about is sort of sexual deviance um, throughout the ages. Only second to you. Only second yes. to you, sir. <laughs> yes, that's I majored in that. But what Katz came up with was uh, in an episode early, I guess, season one. Episode nine of season one. Where, yeah, where he's talking. 
<laughs> 43 minutes and seven seconds yeah. into that's the episode. My, that's my writing partner, Rain Man. He, yeah, but Michael, Michael's right. And it was this scene where uh, Lucy's trying to get more cocaine for Thackeray and and uh, Ping Wu is basically saying, I can help you out if you help me out and maybe I can make a deal for you. And later we see that she's got a little bit of money and then when she needs money again in this season, she goes and does that. And, you know, it was this awful, awkward moment where I remember Eve texted me after reading them and I just kind of texted back like, um, Golden Lotus? Like, and she was like, no, no, it's fine, it's cool. And because you feel so, so strange you know asking people sometimes to do these things and what's we, the most awkward sex scene you've had to be a part of mike and was and was michael and garano and, oh, involved geez. and was i in it and did you see my cock sock <laughs> was it him with the hooker hey, was it him with the nice sock, girl? Yeah. i sent you guys i sent you guys the photo yeah oh. and i'll be t- i'll be putting that up to when i live tweet the show if i have permission i'll put it on instagram right <laughs> now don't do that to the boy Hey, you know, I'm proud of that cocksock. That was, uh, you know, that was a medium. That wasn't a small. I think, <laughs> I think this podcast, we've used the word cocksock more than any podcast in history. Well, the world needs to know. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Take that, Brian Koppelman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike Marini, for <laughs> hanging with us today. Uh, Mike, is, it, Mike uh, is there anything you want to tell us before you go? Uh... Um, I don't know. You guys are cool. <laughs> you know what, Mike? You're cool, too. Congratulations on your marriage, man. Yes. Oh, yeah. I got married. Yeah. Thank you very much. And now I have a question, Mike. Before your wedding, you had long hair. Before your wedding, you cut it all off. Are you growing it long again, or are you going to keep it short? Very important. It It's it's in a in-between, I need a haircut phase, and I think I've I've seen a lot of pictures of myself with long hair, and I... I understand why I cut it <laughs> now. So it, he looks very handsome it's here staying, in the studio. Ooh, yeah. thank you, very handsome. thank you. So He's like, a, a bearded brother. It's it's staying short. And do you know what happened to your hair, Mike Marini? Oh, it got turned into mutton chops for rock and roll. Yes, it's now called vinyl. It's the Scorsese oh. show. Oh, oh, it's vinyl. And Nikki, oh, yes, okay. and Nikki, our head of our makeup department, used them for mutton chop sideburns. Um, I have to say, so cool. that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure she watched them. She watched that's them. so disgusting to think that you're No offense long... to Mike's hair. Yeah, no offense to your hair. It was gorgeous yeah, hair. It was. It was curly. Beautiful hair. I washed it that day. I made sure. It, she, yeah, it was, yeah. I'll never forget the first time I saw it. <laughs> so tune into that episode of Vinyl if you want to see Mike's best work. Mike, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks so much, man. This was awesome. It was fun. Uh, our podcast was produced by Barry Finkel with production help from Emily Rubin. Make sure to watch episode 8 entitled Not Well at All next Friday at 10 p.m. only on Cinemax. And then tune into the podcast where our guest will be costume designer Ellen Mirajnik. Those ball gowns, Thack's white shoes, Cleary's kick-ass hat, all designed by her and her amazing team. Hey, if you like what you hear, let us know. Leave comments on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, or our Tumblr page where you can find more great material. Just go to hashtag at the Nick. We know we have some pretty devoted fans and always love hearing from new ones. So until next time, I'm Michael Begler. And I'm Jack Amiel. And that guy over there is Michael Angarano. And that handsome devil is Chris Sullivan. 
And as always, thanks for listening. Thank you.